Welcome back to another episode of the MicroConf podcast. This is a MicroConf tactics episode where we look at 11 ways that startups waste their money. This audio is taken from a video on our YouTube channel, and we will link that video up in the show notes. On our YouTube channel, we continue to deliver at least one new video every week that is a tactical look at wasting money, at how to hire top talent, how to optimize your funnels, how to do sales, all focused around building, launching, and growing SaaS products. And the audio in this episode is just a sampling of that. You can head to microconf.com slash YouTube if you want to check it out. The fun part about this video is I crowdsourced it from Twitter. And with that, let's dive in to 11 ways startups waste their money. In this video, I cover the top 11 ways startups waste their money so you can avoid costly beginner mistakes. I'm a startup founder with multiple exits, author of three books on building startups, and an investor in more than 100 companies. To put this video together, I looked back at my experience both with my own startups and also the startups I'm invested in. Then I went on Twitter and I asked folks for their examples and I got a bunch of really good suggestions. And in fact, more than half of these 11 were from folks on Twitter. And so if you were one to suggest that, I appreciate it. And if we are not connected on Twitter, I am at Rob Walling, as well as at MicroConf. The first mistake is scaling sales before the product is ready, and it comes to us from Chris Lukenbill. A mistake he's seen is hiring sales staff before you've sold consistently as a founder because you're a developer and you feel comfortable building and not selling. This also works for marketing as well. And I have a sub bullet of this, of just staffing up in general before you've built something people want. And especially if you raise buckets of money, a big mistake I see is people just hiring because they think they need to spend the money. And you can raise money and still be a capital efficient or a mostly bootstrap company that operates in a way that doesn't waste money on status or lavish things that really aren't contributing to the bottom line. It's nice to have the discipline of hiring slowly when you start to see a pain point coming and not having to staff up before you really have any demand for your product. Our next one comes from Peter Bowyer. Peter says, getting starry-eyed about growth before you've got many or any paying customers, and so engineering at Twitter scale rather than getting the foundations right. This is called gold plating, and it wastes a lot of money. It's like putting gold plating on something, you know, just for the appearance of it. And back in my consulting days, we would have some clients just tell us, I want this to scale to 10,000 simultaneous users. And we would say, but you have no marketing and no audience. Like you can scale this up as you go. But if they wanted 10,000 and they would pay for it, it's something that I've seen and it definitely resonated with me when Peter said this uh, because I've seen it in action. Mistake number three is overpaying for prestigious office space. As a startup, you're not a bank. You're not a realtor. You're not some office that needs to have a bunch of prestige because you're going to have clients or customers over. As a startup that's operating on the internet and most likely selling your software to people who will never ever see your office, you don't need to get an office on Wall Street or in Beverly Hills or in San Francisco, you can go to kind of anywhere, right? I mean, that's the beauty of bootstrapping and mostly bootstrapping. You know, I have seen startups where the owner somehow feels like they're not a real company unless they have this office space and they go and they do it and it's a huge waste of time and they sign a long lease and then they realize it's burning a ton of their money. They bought furniture for crying out loud and they find themselves really burning a lot more cash than they should have. I'm not saying get a crappy office space, but you can definitely get a nice office space if you need one in a place that maybe is not as prestigious as the, you know, the most prestigious building in town because there really is not a ton of purpose to it other than your own ego. Mistake number four is 
over hiring. And this is different than mistake one, which was hiring before your product is ready. Let's say your product is ready. You have product market fit and you start to scale up. I have seen companies hire five people when they should have hired one. It was gonna be a bunch of frothy churn with that many people trying to get started all at once. And frankly, there just wasn't enough real solid work for that many people to be doing. It's easy to do when you're, you raise 10, 20, 30 million dollars. It feels A, like you have infinity money, but it also puts this pressure on you to spend. And thankfully, you know, the bootstrapped and mostly bootstrapped software community doesn't usually do this. The mistake we make is waiting a little too long to hire until things are on fire or until we're burning out. But overhiring is absolutely a way that I've seen startups burn a lot of cash. Mistake number five comes to us from Nate Ritter and it's building without talking to customers. He says, literally seen millions wasted this way. Unfortunately, this is all too common. And it used to be more common, let's say in the early 2000s, before customer development came about, Steve Blank brought that concept to the startup space. People really didn't talk to customers, they kind of guessed and then, they, it, a lot of startups were built that just no one needed. I think that jobs to be done and customer development have really pushed the startup space forward. Anyone who's around the space, whether they do it or not, they know that they should, right? And I do think that's uh, a show of the maturation of this whole space. If you're not talking to customers and you think that you know what they want, you think you know what the pain point is, you're probably making a mistake. Mistake number six is hiring senior talent too early. I rarely see bootstrappers doing this, but I have seen folks raise money, even small amounts of money, but especially when you start getting, you raise a five or a $10 million round, and you think that you need to hire a C-level person, a chief technology officer. Instead of just hiring a director or a VP or someone who can still kind of have some boots on the ground, when you have two engineers, you don't need a CTO. You need a tech lead, a dev lead, you need a manager of engineers, you need a director of engineering. You know, there's a title that's appropriate when you have two engineers, but you don't need a C-level person. A true CTO in a major city is going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, frankly, get a lot of stock options and is not something that is a good idea for an early stage startup. Mistake number seven comes to us from EarthlingWorks on Twitter. And he says, a mistake is working with the wrong people, employees, consultants, co-founders, partners, even customers. Each can be good or bad and the bad ones are super costly. I couldn't agree more and I don't know what else I need to say about this other than a mistake that founders make around this is not cutting ties with people who are toxic or people who are not good for your company. And this does mean customers. This does sometimes mean co-founders. This does sometimes mean employees, consultants, and agencies. Being disciplined about working with the right people can not only save you a lot of money, but it can save you time as well. Realize that bad hires and bad relationships, they're just gonna happen. You're gonna misjudge things, things will change, but you have to fix them quickly. You have to learn how to hire slow and fire quickly. Mistake number eight is having growth efforts that oppose a company's strengths or their DNA. And I like this one. This isn't one that I had really thought about. If you have a very sales-driven organization and maybe one of the founders is a great salesperson, it's likely that you're gonna want to do sales and, and lean into that if that's in your DNA versus going out and trying to do a bunch of SEO to get inbound traffic and to build a funnel. Like if you don't have the experience of that, if that's not really you know part of who your company is, it's maybe not something to do early on. Vice versa, if you really are that marketer that does content and SEO, trying to do outbound sales from scratch because you want a challenge or because you want to learn it is probably not a good early bet. And so leaning into the things that are in your own DNA or your startup's DNA are something that can help you not make this mistake. Mistake number nine also comes to us from EarthlingWorks on Twitter. 
and it's having bad strategy. He points out that execution is expensive and that execution doesn't matter when the direction is wrong. This one's challenging, I'm gonna be honest, because knowing if your strategy is right or wrong is not necessarily something that's easy to determine from the start. Relying on old, maybe trite things like, well, eat your own dog food and the product will sell itself and we don't need marketing. You know, these types of things aren't helpful. I think this comes with experience. I think it comes with developing your founder gut, your instinct and watching others who do things successfully and trying to borrow their frameworks and the way that they think about these difficult things like strategy. Going into a space and watching a company that has been successful and not just looking at the, the surface level, the cargo culting of it, trying to talk to someone who used to work at that company, listening to podcast interviews early on from when they were still struggling, like there's ways to get at the truth of how people succeeded and using them to help improve your ability to think strategically is one way to avoid this mistake. Number 10 is from Punchline Copy and the mistake is using agencies that don't deliver. She says, paying agencies that promise the world and deliver anything from a mediocre website to a big, wet nothing. This is something I've dealt with, I've experienced firsthand. This is something I have seen our tiny seed portfolio companies deal with. Oftentimes the more expensive agencies do have minimums of let's say three months or six months. Know about that in advance. When I hear an agency say they want a 12 month minimum, that actually concerns me because I don't know if they're going to not be delivering for that full 12 months. I have worked with agencies with amazing testimonials who've worked with people that I respect. And then when the, we actually get into the process, it turns out, well, their team expanded and they used to be five people and now they're 40. And so I'm working with a completely different team and what they deliver is not on par with what we wanted. I don't think most do it on purpose, but I think what happens is as agencies expand, it's hard to be as good as the founders or that early team. And so it's all too common to run into this mistake. Mistake number 11 is doing brand marketing too early. So there's direct response marketing where you ask for the sale and you track your conversions and you know how much you spend and how much money you're gonna make from those customers. And then brand marketing is just getting your name out there. It's what Coca-Cola does. It's what Crest and Procter and Gamble do. When you're in your early days, you can't afford to do brand marketing. You can't afford to just run ads that just get your name out there because no one cares. You have to really watch those dollars and cents and you have to really watch traffic, your conversion rates and understand your funnel. And I feel like founders who maybe don't want to do that or they don't agree that marketing should be a thing or at their bones, they want the product to sell itself. Maybe rely on just brand marketing of like, if our name's out there, people will buy it. Unfortunately, in most cases, it's just not the way to go. Before we wrap, I want to mention MicroConf masterminds. So if you know what a mastermind is, it's where two, three, four founders get together and they support one another and they meet every week or every month and run through their journeys together. And at MicroConf, we have a mastermind matching service. It's at microconfmasterminds.com. And every few months we do a matching process based on the phase that people are at, the type of product, location, time zone. There's a bunch of factors that we take into it, but we hand match people. And we have matched well over 600 founders from 40 or 50 different countries and have literally hundreds of masterminds that are now operating with founders supporting one another. So if that sounds interesting to you, head to microconfmasterminds.com. If you enjoyed this video, I'd love it if you'd hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. We have videos coming out like this every week, always packed with information, always packed with tactics and strategies, and hopefully inspiration for you as well. I'll see you in the next video.